This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. So true to fashion, Elliot Friedman is late this time by an hour. I'm sure he's going to blame it on his flight or something. Uh, with that, we welcome in from Hockey Night in Canada and 32 Thoughts, uh, the blog and the podcast, Elliot Friedman. Hello, Fridge. Good morning, and or good afternoon, sorry. I'm not in Vancouver. Uh, <laughs> yes, I am blaming it on that. It's totally true. Uh, so hang on, before we, before we get into a couple of things here, you're coming back from, you flew back from Dallas. Last night was the Dallas Stars Hall of Fame. Uh, the inaugural class goes in, Darian Hatcher, Bob Gainey. Uh, there will be many more. There's a pl- plenty of uh, people to choose from. Give us a little time and temp on how the night was. How'd it go? So it was it was really well done. And uh, I, I just uh, this is something that I think every team should kind of do after sitting through it last night. So what the Dallas Stars do is they have players who've had their numbers retired. Mike Medano, Yuri Lettinen. Uh, I forgot Neil Broughton has his uh, has his number retired Minnesota. there, and Sergey yeah. Sergei Zubov. So basically what they wanted to do was find a way to honor other players and people who wouldn't get their numbers retired. Sort of like the ring of honor that the Canucks have kind of thing. So they created the Dallas Stars mm-hmm. Hall of Fame and they asked me last year if I would you know, want to be one of the people who might want to vote on it. So I did. And basically they inducted uh, the, those, th- those players whose numbers are retired they're already they're put in like there's nobody has to vote on them they're put in and they also inducted uh, the owners of the team uh, uh the, that have uh, the people who've owned the team before and, and own them now and then they just said let's add one builder and one player per year and you know the first builder very deserving bob gainey the first player the first American to lift the Stanley Cup, Darian Hatcher. And it was, it was a really nice night. They had a concert by uh, Midland, a band down there that's very popular. People really liked them. And uh, there were some really good speeches. Doug Armstrong. Doug Armstrong had a hilarious line. He uh, came to introduce Paul Ga- uh, Bob Ganey, and he said, mm-hmm. uh, I, I know the Stars will win the Stanley Cup again, but hopefully not too soon. And the audience really liked that one. <laughs> and Richard Matvichuk, who doesn't – I remember Richard Matvichuk. Oh, he, yeah, yes, he was Hatcher's defense partner. Wow, and and yeah. he was a not he's a, he was not much of a talker. Like Matt Pachuk, I remember when he played, he was not he let he liked he preferred to let his on ice play do his talking. Yeah. He introduced Hatcher, and uh, you know all the speeches were really good. Matt Pachuk, by the way, he coached at Prince George. Jeff, he'd like to get back into coaching. Yeah, so I'm putting that out there as a yep. public service announcement. But it was just it was really nice. Like <laughs> the thing that really stood out to me was that the was at the end of the day, uh, end of the night, uh, Colleen Ganey, uh, one of Bob's daughters, came over to uh, Tom Gillardi, who's the current owner of the uh, Dallas Stars, and she just said, look, like, I just wanted to say how much I really appreciated this. It was such a great night for our family and our friends, and um, awesome. that's what it's all about, right? It was it was really meaningful uh, for, the pe- for the families there, and... Uh, that's what these things are for. And there was a, there was a huge, uh, there was a, there were a lot of stars fans who were there and, you know, the way Bob Ganey and Darian Hatcher talked about going from Minnesota to Dallas um, and what that, and how the Dallas community embraced them. Uh, Ganey had a great line. He said that when we first came here, you were here for us. 
and we repaid you with that Stanley Cup in 99. And then he said, hopefully the Cup will be back here faster than Doug Armstrong wants it to be. It was a really, really, like, when you, when you hope that hockey touches your community, it was one of those nights where you really yeah. saw it. First of all, bless the Ganey family. Um, yeah. Absolutely wonderful people and have gone through uh, a lot. Um, two, I, I wonder how deep the um, this Hall of Fame stretches back into the Minnesota North Stars organization. And if so, listen, uh, we uh, last year at the Board of Governors, we had a fantastic night out with Lou Nanny. Uh, who yep. I still maintain is the greatest is the greatest uh, president slash commissioner that the NHL never had. You know, would they go <laughs> back that far into 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 history to get you know, but Lou, Lou Nanny in the Dallas Stars Hall of Fame? I don't know if that's going to happen. I, I think this is this is about Dallas. Like I said, they recognize Neil Broughton, whose whose number is retired. Yeah. There was primarily um, is is remembered more as a Minnesota North Star than a Dallas Star. That's for sure. Um, it, it, I don't think so. I think this is more about uh, Dallas than it is about Minnesota. You know, it, to be honest, Jeff, uh, he is, I don't see a reason why the Wild couldn't do it. It's funny, too, because I'm going to talk to Bill Guerin here at the bottom of the hour, and this is one of the things I'm going to bring up with him, this, the, the idea of, uh, of a Minnesota Wild or just a Minnesota uh, Minnesota Hockey Hall of Fame uh, that's run by the Minnesota Wild. Anyway, uh, I'll talk to Guerin about that at the bottom of the hour. Um a couple of things. One, boy, everybody outside of Carlton the Bear from the Maple Leafs organization's name was trending last night on Twitter. And a lot of it revolved around the coach. A lot of it revolved around Marner and what we saw on the bench and smashing the stick, etc. Austin Matthews' name. Like, everybody's name was trending, not for a good reason. Uh, the team flies back from Anaheim. What now? For the Maple Leafs, Elliot, what now? If anything, maybe it's just this team is going to go status quo. They're going to play Philadelphia on Wednesday. They face off against the Bruins on Saturday, and away they go. What now for the Maple Leafs, Fridge? Uh, you know, uh, it, it's it reminds me your your introduction there and your setup reminded me of one of my buddies. He texted me one night and he goes, "I, I can tell you're having some kind of show tonight." And I go, "What do you mean?" He goes, "All of you are trending." I started laughing. I said, yeah, it's been one of those nights. <laughs> that is, That's really just, good. <laughs> when the algorithm spits out all your names, it's it's just not good. Look, um, okay, I mean, look, I, I think everybody's focusing on the coach right now. So I'll, I'll say this. Yeah. Before the weekend, before they played L.A. and Anaheim and lost those games, uh, I... I, I don't think they had any intention of making a coaching change. I don't, I don't think that was on their radar as recently as Friday, Saturday, from what I could gather. Now, what I think there is, is there's a realization that the runway is getting shorter. And uh, I, I don't think they want to change a coach. I, I don't think they want to do it. But like I said, there's, a, there's an understanding, Jeff, I think that if this doesn't change, sometimes your options are handed to you as opposed to what you want to do. So take that for what it's worth. But as I take the temperature right now, that's what I see. I also think there is a recognition that this defense, as currently constructed, it simply isn't good enough. You know, what is Keith said now 
on multiple occasions. We can't get the puck off the ice. And, you know, that's, you know, ultimately the Maple Leafs made a decision not to trade for Bear. They could have done it. You know, Vancouver was willing to put the um, extra pick in there, which was the difference. But they were in on it because they know that this this isn't going to work. Now, Lilligren could be back this weekend, I think. Uh, uh, Jordy Ben could be back this weekend. Um, I think that they – look, I I think they want to, if they can, give them a chance with more of a defense to see if things will get fixed. Uh, But the losing, Jeff, can change your timeline. And I I think this thing, too, like, it's very obvious right now, I don't think coaches and players – have to be best friends. As a matter of fact, I think in a lot of ways you'd prefer if that wasn't the case. But you have to be willing to work for each other and pull in the same direction. And it's pretty clear right now that this group is not pulling in the same direction. Not that you make all your decisions based on one singular player, but how much... um... How much does Austin Matthews figure into all of this, considering this will be target number one contract extension in the offseason? Well, I, I think it's huge. Like, Matthews, you know, Matthews has a lot of power here. There, there's, there's no question about that. I mean, look, you, you heard me say it many times before the season began. I said that I think he's signing, re-signing in Toronto. I think that I don't necessarily think it'll be a long-term extension but I think he will extend. Mm-hmm. But I always, my, my caveat always was, Jeff, the big concern is what if this goes off the rails? What if this goes off the rails? And, you know, it's still early. Like, I, I really try not to overreact. Like, a lot, like, 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 these are fans, and without these fans, we wouldn't have a job. So I'm, I'm good with what they do. But it's their job to overreact. <laughs> it's not ours. Yeah. So, uh, but the thing is, they do have to monitor how Matthews feels. They, uh, and if, if, and again, I, I don't have any reason to believe right now that he's unhappy or he's got a big problem or anything like that. But they do have to watch out. They, they constantly have to take this temperature. It's like, Jeff, when your kids are sick, you're there, you're the nurse with the thermometer, right? You've got to be doing the thermometer mm-hmm. check. Very good. What's the, uh, uh, hey, what's no, the thermometer Jeff, in I Vancouver? The, uh, Jeff, right now the bigger issue to me is, is, is they've got to get the coach and Marner back on the same page. Um, you know, like that, that's something that has to get worked out. Um, it's clear that the two of them are a little bit they're, – they're off kilter right now, and Marner's mm-hmm. too important. And you know the the coach needs him to play, and and they and they need Marner to be comfortable. It's clear right now he is not comfortable, so you got to make him comfortable. That to me is the the big thing right now is how do you make him more comfortable? Uh, what's the temperature in Vancouver? It's uh, two wins in a row now, uh, one in quite convincing fashion against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, this week, Vancouver faces off against the suddenly hot New Jersey Devils on Tuesday. Uh, it seemed like just five minutes ago, everybody wanted to fire Lindy Ruff in New Jersey. Now everyone's, you know, uh, sunshine and lollipops and Jesper Bratz, number five in scoring in the NHL. Uh, they have a game against Anaheim Thursday and face off against Nashville on Saturday. 
Where is the thermometer in Vancouver right now? Well, I remember from grade three science that a lethal fever is 41.7. So I would say in the middle of last week, the, the, the temperature was probably about 60. And it, it's, it's gone down to below the, the lethal number. Uh, look, like they, they, they got two wins. Um, you know, they, they showed a lot of fight, literally and figuratively, against Seattle. Then they played their best game of the year against Pittsburgh. So everything calms down at that point. I mean, we'll see where this goes. As you said, they've got a big week. Like, they're in a big hole. The odds are not with them, Jeff. But, you know, they, they, at least they stopped the bleeding. They got going. Um, you know, that's one thing. They had a few days off. You can enjoy it a little more after a couple of victories. Um, but, you know, now they have no room for error. Like we talked about the Maple Leafs running out of runway. Like uh, this team has no runway. They've got to be on a tear for the rest of the season, and that will determine kind of what happens there. Hey, you know, um, something that you and I talked about on the podcast that just came out a couple of hours ago, um, that Jake Eichel play uh, for the Vegas yeah. Golden Knights where, you know, Shifley's, Shifley's chasing him. And actually, Shifley does a really good job right into the, right into the very end. Uh, and then Eichel wiggles free and salts it away, and, and Vegas wins. They beat the uh, the Winnipeg Jets two to one in overtime. Another command performance from Connor Hellebuck. But you know, I had someone DM me and say, "Listen, I was listening to your conversation with uh, with Elliot last week about players sitting in the penalty box in overtime, and you know, even if they have penalty time remaining, they can still shoot in the shootout." He said, yeah. "Why didn't Shifley just tackle Eichel? There's like five six seconds remaining. Why didn't he trip him? Why didn't he tackle him?" And I'm like, I really don't have an answer for that because, yeah, you're right. Shifley, he wouldn't have removed himself from the shootout. He still would have been able to shoot. Just one of those things that, uh, that you look at and you say, well, if I could do it again, maybe I would have just tackled Eichel. Um, your thoughts on Vegas? I, 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 I can give you an answer. I, I can give you an answer why he didn't tackle him. What happened the last time that Mark Shifley aggressively tackled someone? Well, you're not thinking of the yes. Evans hit, are you? Well, that's exactly what I'm thinking about. But, I mean, that was a, that was like a charge from the blue line. <laughs> it, it doesn't matter. I mean, this I'm time, just I, saying I, that if you're, if you're Shifley, do you think that you're doing that again or anything close to that? Not a chance. Not well, a chance. Well, you see, here, here's, what, here's, what I'm, here's what I'm wondering about. I mean, if you're, if you're coaching this team, okay, so you're yep. – you know, Scott O'Neill or, or Rick Bonus, you're coaching this team. Are you not telling your players, like, if the puck's in our zone with a couple of seconds left and they have it, uh, take a penalty. Take a penalty. Knock a guy down, trip a guy, slash, whatever you have to do. It doesn't matter. There's only going to be a couple of seconds, and then it's off. Like, it's a very Roger Nielsen-esque quality about this. Like, Roger, when yes. he was down five on three with two minutes left, Roger would just throw guys over the boards. Okay, another minor penalty, fine. It's still five on three. Eventually, that rule got changed because of Roger. But if you're a coach, how are you not saying, look, in the dying seconds, if it's in our zone, take a penalty, tackle a guy. doesn't matter. You're still going to shoot. Uh, I, look, I, I'm with you on this. I think, in theory, you're, you're, it, it, this is a great idea. And I would, if I was a coach, I would tell players do the same thing, Merrick. I would just understand that yeah. Mark Shifley would not want to make an incredibly aggressive play at the end of a game just because of everything he's kind of been through in the past. By the way, Merrick, I'm mm-hmm. glad to see that 
your DMs are not crypto scams and thirst traps like mine are. <laughs> oh no, don't worry. I still get plenty of those as well. I still get plenty <laughs> okay. of, the, uh, of the of the crypto scams. Don't don't worry. Uh, I just have a, a clever way of filtering those out. Uh, but speaking speaking of that Eichel play, what do you make of Vegas? Like this this team is. I mean, I was talking to Mike Harrington a second ago, and it's like, well, Vegas is real happy with Eichel, and obviously Buffalo's happy with what they got yep. and where they're at right now and the, the pick they got and where they got it. 16, oof, that's a that's a big one. Didn't think they were going to get that one out of Vegas. Um, your thoughts on where the, the Golden Knights are at right now? They look real well, good, Fridge. Uh, I thought I thought there were two players who really were going to determine uh, Vegas's future more than others this year. And one was Jack Eichel, and the other was Logan Thompson, and and both of those guys have delivered. They, they they've they've really delivered. And you know, I, I want to give Aiden Hill some credit too. Last night, like that's the kind of game. If you're a goalie and you're Vegas's goalie, you're sitting there thinking, I cannot lose this game two to one. You know, the shots are are 33 to eight at one point, and you cannot lose that game two to one if you're the Golden Knights because everybody looks at you, but. Logan Thompson and Hill have been excellent. They've, like, mm-hmm. you know, you, like one of the things we've talked about, Jeff, is there's so few elite number ones now. So there's a lot of teams to win in this league. You just need your goalie to be one goal better than the other guy, right? And last night, Connor yeah. Hellebuck sent an insane standard. Like he was so good. He was, like, if they had three stars of the night, he should be all three stars. Like that was one of those nights, even though they lost. And, <laughs> Hill's job was to be one goal. Exactly. Hill had to be one goal better than a guy who was having an A-plus-plus night, and he did. And so far, the Golden Knights are getting that in net. And the other thing, too, is Eichel, he was the other guy. Like, he had to be better. Like, last year, it was a total write-off for him. Um, You know, he he was out for months. He had new surgery. Um, you know, he, he got traded. It was a, an extremely acrimonious thing between him and the Sabres. You know, there's, it, you don't always see trades. Let me get away from this truck. You don't always see trades that work for both sides. But I, I think this Eichel-Sabres deal, as you pointed out, is one that worked for both sides. And it looks like Eichel's back. And sometimes that takes a year. Um. Let me, uh, as, as October winds down here now, and there's three games tonight, and you know we mentioned the Buffalo Sabres, and they're taking on uh, the Detroit Red Wings tonight. Also, the Capitals face off against the Hurricanes, the Kings, uh, and the St. Louis Blues. Uh, as you look back at the first month, and I, I tend, yeah. like, I'll be honest with you, Elliot, I kind of take the first month of the season, and I don't completely disqualify it. I don't completely crumple up the paper and throw it in the garbage, but I kind of look at it sideways like, Mm, okay, teams are just getting into the season, and 82 games is a lot. Does anything stand out at you, whether it's performances or trends from October? Um, I think, I think Jeff, every year I say this, and I, I think I feel it more. This is purely anecdotal. There's no statistical evidence to back this up. But, Jeff, don't you feel that the pressure – is on these teams to be successful yeah. out of the gate is more than it's ever been. Yes. Like, 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 like look yes. at the roller coasters we've seen. Like, you know, the first one that comes to mind is New Jersey. Two games in, 
uh, you know, there's the, the fans are going fire Lindy and now they're, they're clobbering teams. Like they, they, yep. I think they've got, I think they've got more games this year where they have 50 shots than games where they've allowed, I want to say 35, something like that. And I, I just think it's such an, like we're seeing that we've seen it in Vancouver. Now their start was, was worse. Like that wasn't just a bad week, but we're seeing it in Toronto I think you expect that to some degree in the Canadian markets, but I think in, in some of the U.S. markets too, where they're passionate fans, they go, you know, it's it's a real roller coaster. I, I think the heat is really on people fast. The other thing too, Jeff, is mm-hmm. the teams that maybe their rosters aren't as talented, but they play hard. Like Philly is one of those teams. Chicago is another one of those teams. Um, I, I'm curious to see, like, will there be staying power? You know, can they, like, I think if you outwork other teams, I think you can, but you're not, you don't have the same roster. I think that can work for you in a stretch, like maybe 10, 15, 20 games. My question is, can that work for you over 82? And I I really like the way Chicago plays. Like, those guys want to play for New Pritchard. It's very obvious. And I like the way Philly plays. They get outshot, but they're working for John Tortorella. They understand what's been brought in there. That's the other thing, too, is can it last? And I think this is about the time when you start to see, okay, we're going to start to see some separation. Who's for real and who isn't? And that's what I always look for in November is is the separation. Mm -hmm. That is where you start to see it. I'm glad you took us to Philadelphia because... Uh, first of all, Carter Hart has had an exceptional start, and it always helps when your goaltender uh, checks notes quickly here. 9.38 save percentage uh, after six bad. games. So Carter Hart has been has you know, just been outstanding. And then you look at Saturday's game. Like, you look at the game against the Carolina Hurricanes. Who are the players that are getting it done? Nick Delorier, goal and assist. Uh, Wade Allison, Owen Tippett. Like, it's not just, you know, Joel Farabee and Kevin Hayes came through and Travis Konechny had a pair. It's like those those bottom guys that Tortorella loves so much. We all know about the situation, you know, with the, the injuries and what's happened to the Philadelphia Flyers. But I'm with you. Like, the month of October, that was a great performance by Tortorella and a great performance by that team. Now, we can say a lot, again, you can say a lot of it is Carter Hart. I get it. I understand that. But as Kelly Rudy always reminds us, guys, never apologize for having a great goaltender. The last time I checked, they were still part of the team. You know, one of the teams that's closest in geography to us, Jeff, were the epitome of that. They had, you know, arguably the greatest goaltender of all time, Dominic Koscik. And he took them to within two yep. wins of a Stanley Cup final and, and uh, two of the Stanley Cup in 1999. And I remember that year, all those Sabres players would say, we know we're not the best team, but we've got the best goalie, and we know that that gives us a chance. And, and what did they do? They played I, hard. It, they played hard yeah. in front of them. Yeah. Which is why, if you're not a Ottawa Senator fan, when Dominic Kashuk was there in the Olympics and the groin injury, you're just like, oh, what oh, yeah. could have been? What could have been? 
Yeah. Uh, a couple of more things before I wrap uh, before I wrap up. Um, you and I talked about this on the podcast uh, a little bit, and we'll see what happens this week. But you were making the point, I think, and this is, I think, a salient one, that it seems like, and now we're getting into November, and, you know, Wyatt Johnson is sticking with the Dallas Stars. You know, Brant Clark is going to stay with the Los Angeles Kings. That's almost a fait accompli. Um, the Shane Wright thing really needs a big decision here. Either, yeah. yes, he's staying and playing 12 minutes a night, or... He's going back to Kingston, provided they can they can work out a trade for him. Your thoughts on the Shane Wright situation? Well, first of all, I wanted to mention, Jeff, that uh, Daryl Ray came up to me last night at the event and said, get Merrick to start talking about the Western Hockey League a little bit. So I want you to know that that request was made, okay? <laughs> and Daryl Ray's a lot bigger right, than me, con- so it's not con- like I was going to say no to yeah. him, okay? Um, <laughs> okay, very good. But... <laughs> But, you know, this is the thing what I would do. If I was in the Ontario Hockey League, yeah. I would be looking at this as we have an opportunity here. It is very clear that unless Dave Haxtell is forced to play Shane Wright more, and I don't really think GM should ever do that, um, unless Dave Haxtell is forced to play Shane Wright more, he's not going to play very much in Seattle this year. And... So if I was the Ontario League, I'd be looking at this as an opportunity. And the opportunity is we could have this kid back quickly, providing he's in the right situation. Now, I always defer to you on these things, Jeff. You know this world better than I do. But you have indicated to me that if he's coming back, he's probably getting traded. That Kingston will go for a Memorial Cup bid next year. And they will try to trade Shane Wright for assets next season which is smart plan. I think that's a really good plan. Um, So if I'm the OHL, I'm calling around and I'm saying, let's get Shane Wright into a good place. Where in the landscape makes sense for him to be where he's going to be on a good team, he can play for Canada at the World Juniors, and he can compete for a Memorial Cup this year. And you have to know that that's going to happen, so you make contact with the Kraken. And one of the questions I'd be asking is, if we get him into a good situation, is he coming back? And if the answer is yes, then what I'm telling my teams is, get this done. And get this done now so he's back and he's playing. You know, Shane Wright, the worst thing that happened to him, like a lot of people, really, was the COVID shutdown. He got affected more than any other of the top players. And so you, you have to have him play. He has to play. Uh, how much talk about Wyatt John? And I, I don't disagree with you. I think he, whether it's the 12 minutes in Seattle or uh, uh, 25 minutes a night playing with whomever, Peterborough, Windsor, take your pick, Mississauga, Ottawa, uh, you know, one of the powerhouses in the in the OHL this season. Um, how much how much talk was there when you were in Dallas about Wyatt Johnston and him staying? <laughs> Well, the, the one thing is it, it's pretty clear that they're really excited about some of their young players. Uh, you know, Wyatt yeah. Johnston, Delandria. You know whose name also got mentioned, who isn't with them right now, is uh, Stan Coven. His name got mentioned quite a bit. Um, oh, yeah. They're, That's good. They're, they're Maverick, really Maverick excited. Bork. Maverick Bork. Like, they're, they're really excited about their young group. And he's... Uh, and. You can tell that they introduced all the players one by one last night, and uh, he got a big ovation. They like him there. 
So that's usually a good sign. Yeah. You know, I should mention now, like, uh, Ottinger is not at practice today, and I guess we're going to get an update. Yep. But he looked like he had a little bit of a limp. I don't think they're too worried about it being long-term. But because he was there last night, and he could walk across the stage. But it sounds like he's going to miss a couple of games. But your, your guy, Johnston, it's very clear that they like him there, Jeff. He got a big, he got a big cheer from the crowd. Yeah, I know that uh, Mark Savard and the Windsor Spitfires were crossing their fingers they, that they might get him for one more season, and Bill Bowler, the GM, yeah, not so fast. Uh, all he did was he grabbed, he, he had an opportunity, and he grabbed it, and he scored goals, and he fit in, and he played greats, you know, played a lot with Jamie Ban. Like, he looked real good, and, you know, good for the kid. The coach fell in love with him. You know, uh, you know about Peter DeBoer's comments about locking him away in a trunk and keeping him <laughs> away so he can't send him to Windsor. It's, it's a great line. So congrats to the kid. Uh, okay, welcome back. Uh, Elliot, we'll chat with you tomorrow at uh, 12.05 Eastern. Thanks, pal. All right, Jeff. Have a great, uh, have a great night and a great night of uh, Halloween trick-or-treating, everybody. Be safe. Uh, yes. Be visible. Yes. Get lots of good candy. Don't eat your kids' candy like I do. Like, don't do that. Uh, have a great night, safe night, everybody. And cars, if you're driving tonight, please slow down as much as you can. Please slow down. All right, thanks, Rich. All right, take Here care, is, man. Uh, Elliot Friedman from Hockey Night in Canada and 32 Thoughts.